0: Conspiracy theories, eh? Wait do you get a load of this.
1: Hello, and welcome to Cracked Sisters Conspiracies, where a podcast that covers conspiracy theories, mysteries, and all of our spooky shit. My name's Jackie. And I'm Cassandra. And we are said sisters. Your nails look really good. Thank you. I love them so much. It's
0: been so long since you've had them. I know. I've stabbed myself eight trillion times. How is it wiping your nether regions?
1: It's fine. I thought it would be more difficult. I was very nervous. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you have to relearn how to be a, a normal person.
1: Yeah, but I do like the almond chip. I can pick things up, I couldn't do anything with the normal the square. Steak. Yeah,
0: yeah. 100%. It does not work. I would like to get my nails done again, but it's expensive and it takes it time.
1: But I think you can just buy all the Jell-Ex shit and yeah. like figure out how to do it yourself. Don't know how good that would look, but basically you're not doing any really art, you're just gluing it on and then painting the fake nail.
0: That's true. That's true. I might have yeah. to give that a try. I use nail wraps. I ripped them all off today, but I see that you got naked nails. <laughs> yes, but what I have instead I have a new tattoo. Oh, that's right. Where is it? Hold on. It's on my ankle. Oh, there you go. Nice. upside down. And you it's- said Evan was very
1: nervous giving you that?
0: He was so nervous, sweating profusely. What a and, but it, it turned out well. It's not the first tattoo I've had done in a home and probably won't be the last, but.
1: There you go. Yeah. I know I wanted him to give you and me one, but it just never came to fruition.
0: We'll get there. We'll get there. He had to to break the ice and he, I think he was regretting it immediately. He like oh. traced the design 10 different times over the course of multiple hours before he felt ready to go. But is it, that from a TV show or something? It's from Agrisuko. Yeah. say it, it looks so familiar. That's why. It's from our Japanese anime. We'll have and, to
1: post a picture of it on Patreon.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. But I figured in anticipation of the trip to Japan I am planning for 2025, <laughs> you just told way, me this? It, this just came about, but I'm- want to go to Japan. Okay. You got six grand to contribute? <laughs> At some point. <laughs> yeah. Thinking of like May 2025, and I want to do one of those all inclusive tours that take you to Japan, Osaka, Kyoto, because I don't want to be struggle busing my way through a foreign country that doesn't speak English and I don't speak Japanese and I'm not going to learn it in an
1: 18 month period. I mean, (laughs) Alex lived there. Oh my God. I bet he was loved. I I wonder how tall they think he was. He was probably like the tallest person there. Probably any white person above
0: five foot is a giant from what you i've gathered
1: considered a goddess right. Look at i them. know
0: but yeah so that's the plan budgeting 20 grand for that first okay, step keep of- me posted that sounds good gotta get a passport first
1: i already have one i know
0: i don't so neither it's of, or very of easy
1: walking through the steps i'm banned from the library i got it from but i can walk you through it okay good to know
0: but yeah so that's other than your departure and you moving and it's really gainfully unemployed on.
1: It feels weird. <laughs> it is weird. I know. You'll... I just set up my home gym, if you will. Oh, okay. It's it's minimal because I texted our realtor. I'm like, hey, when's the gym supposed to be built? And he goes, oh, short two to four years. <laughs> cool.
0: Yeah, no time at all. So you got to do something <laughs> in the interim. I'm looking forward to seeing your new place when we come visit next month. I know, I'm excited. Yeah. Anywho, okay, well, this is our first Zoom across the the state,
1: so we'll see how they Technically, we've done Zoom before, but it was across the town that we lived <laughs> in. It was a mile and a half away. <laughs> this seems <laughs> to be working just
0: fine. Yeah, but what is your topic today? I feel so out of sync and just mm-hmm. off kilter, so we'll have so to- My to topic today
1: uh-huh. is the Patty Hearst kidnapping.
0: Mm, that's right I remember I was like oh she's in crybaby and it was a whole thing yeah you still don't
1: I did know she was in crybaby due to my notes but yeah that's okay I did start to watch Donnie Brasco last night oh great movie and I fell asleep but it was good up until I fell asleep (laughs) okay well good no I'm I'm looking
0: forward to her story and I keep forgetting what the term is when you're like, you fall in line.
1: Thank you. We'll talk about that later.
0: Yes. So tell us about Patty
1: Hearst. Sure. So the star of this episode is Patricia Campbell Hearst, who was born on February 20th, 1954 in San Francisco, California. Oh. She apparently prefers to be called Patricia over Patty. So that's how I'm going to refer to her in this episode. Her grandfather was William Randall Hearst, and he was responsible for creating the largest newspaper, magazine, newsreel, and film business in the world. So he was like a pretty big to-do. Are
0: they related to the owners of Hearst Castle? Or is that I different? So, oh, okay. But I don't know. Okay.
1: I didn't really focus too much on their family stuff. That's okay. The family wielded immense political influence and opposed organized labor, goldmine workers' rights, and communism since before World War II. Patricia's father was among a number of heirs to the family fortune, and neither he nor Patricia's mother had considered it necessary to take preventative measures to assure their children's personal safety. Oh, so cool. Because she's like, not her specifically, but her family's rich as shit. Yeah. Her dad has inherited all this money, and they thought nothing of it.
0: No kidnapping potential, none of that. Never thought
1: of it. Oh, Okay. So on February 4th, 1974, when Patricia was a 19-year-old college sophomore at UC Berkeley studying history, she was kidnapped from her apartment. (laughs) Oh my god, you don't say. She was kidnapped by a small urban guerrilla left-wing group called the Simbanese Liberation Army, or SLA, and they claimed responsibility for her abduction. Okay. According to testimony obtained during the trial, the SLA claimed their intention was to leverage Patricia's family's political influence to free SLA members Russ Little and Joe Romero, who had been arrested for the November 1973 murder of Marcus Foster, superintendent of an Oakland public school. So they're like, hey, this bitch has money. We want to free our boys. We're going to kidnap her and then try to work out a deal. We're going to...
0: Use kidnap to get someone who murdered someone else
1: out of prison. Or, I don't know what could have gone wrong with that plan. That (laughs) that sounds like a great plan to me. Sounds terrible. After the state refused to free the men, the SLA demanded that Hearst's family distribute $70 worth of food to every needy Californian, an operation that would cost an estimated $400 million. Oh, that's all. In response, Patty, Patricia's father, (laughs) obtained a loan and arranged the immediate donation of $2 million worth of food to the poor of the Bay Area for one year in a project called People in Need. After the distribution descended into chaos and the SLA refused to release Patricia. So this dad just donated $2 million for the good of the world, or at least the Bay Area. He gets the tax
0: benefit, and it gets it out of his estate, so.
1: But his daughter's still gone. (laughs) I mean. (laughs) So according to Patricia's trial testimony, she explained that the SLA founder, Donald DeFries, had blindfolded her, tied her hands, and kept her in a closet for weeks while DeFries threatened to kill her multiple times. Oh, during her captivity, she was given SLA political tracts to memorize, and she was also able to participate in some of the group's political discussions.
0: So just brainwashing her to follow their agenda. Oh my god, my yes. brain stopped. Sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Patricia claimed she had been given the choice to be released or to join the SLA. For whatever reason, she chose to join. Once she stated she would stay, her blindfold was removed, and she saw her abductors for the first time. Patricia was given daily lessons on her duties and focused a lot on weapons drills. They were very big into weapons. And then a founding member named Angela Atwood told Patricia that the others wanted her to experience sexual freedom within the unit. Patricia later claimed to have been raped by William, Willie Wolf, and DeFreeze. Oh,
0: well, doesn't sound like a whole lot of freedom to me.
1: On April 3rd, 1974, two months after she had been abducted, Patricia announced on an audio tape released to the media that she had joined the SLA and adopted the name Tanya. Tanya?
0: A tribute to,
1: it's T A N I A. Oh, yeah. I find like a phonetic, so we're going to say Tanya. Sure. Sorry, that's wrong. Tribute to Haiti Tamra Bunky Bider, who was an East German Marxist revolutionary who played a role in the Cuban intelligence operations and the Cuban Revolution. On April 15th, 1974, Patricia was recorded on surveillance video wielding an M1 carbine while robbing the Sunset District branch of Hibernia Bank in San Francisco. Fairly certain.
0: I've seen a clip of that. Like She has like a beret on and... Yeah. They
1: will post it on Patreon. Okay. Patricia identified herself under her pseudonym Tanya, and she yelled, I'm Tanya, up, up and against the wall, motherfuckers. (laughs) I think it's very funny. (laughs) It is. (laughs) Two men entered the bank while the robbery was occurring and were shot and wounded by the SLA. On May 16, 1974, Patricia was awaiting in a nearby van while SLA member William Harris and his wife Emily Harris entered Mel's Sporting Goods Store in Inglewood, California. The owner watched William Harris steal some items, and he followed after William. While outside the store, the manager attempted to detain William, which led to a small scuffle during which a gun fell out of William's waistband. Patricia then discharged an entire magazine of an automatic carbine into the overhead storefront, causing the manager to die behind a lamppost. He tried to shoot back, but Patricia began aiming closer and closer at him. So she was intentionally not hitting him, but she's trying to get him to let William and Emily go.
0: That just escalated very quickly, though.
1: It gets worse. William, (laughs) wife Emily, and Patricia then hijacked two cars and took the store owner captive. Oh. Poor guy. While driving around with their now hostage, the LAPD surrounded the SLA's main base location in Los Angeles. There were six SLA members inside of the hideout, including DeFreeze. There was a police shootout, and some of the members died from gunfire. The shootout then caused a fire, in which other members were killed, and then DeFreeze had committed suicide by shooting himself in the head. Oh my god. At the time, it was unknown if Patricia and the Harris couple had been... At or died in the hideout. And when it was confirmed they were still on the run, warrants were issued for all three. The store owner eventually was released and he said, oh, she was so nice. Patricia was like, I wanted to do what she said. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It was something to the effect of like he was surprised by how nice she was. And he didn't really. I mean, never mind the fact that
0: she was like holding him hostage and shot up the front of a store, but you know, yeah, like she was so very nice. personal,
1: I think was one of the words that were used.
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Patricia was accused of making two explosive devices and using them to thankfully unsuccessfully attempts uh, to kill police officers in August of 1975 when one of the devices had failed to detonate. <laughs> the one did go off, the other didn't, but thankfully she did not kill the officer she was attempting to to murder. Oh, good. On April 21st, 1975, the SLA did an armed robbery of Crocker National Bank in Carmichael, California. Emily Harris, who I mentioned earlier, had participated in the robbery, and she killed 42-year-old mother of four, Myrna Osify, when she accidentally fired her shotgun. Oh, so okay. So Emily Harris was down for the cause, but didn't no, to keep her finger off the trigger, and she accidentally killed this mother of four who was just making a bank deposit. Oh no, Patricia! I know Patricia was the getaway driver, and in California, the getaway driver is also on hook for the felony murder charges. Oh, like a, big, a lot of people don't know that. So even if you just were the getaway driver, you just were the lookout. If someone dies in the commission of a felony, everyone's charged, including you. <laughs>
0: Okay, that is good to know. Not that I have any plans of driving the getaway vehicle. You might
1: as well just fucking do the whole robbery at that point. That's true. On September 18th, 1975, Patricia was arrested with fellow member Wendy Yoshimura in her San Francisco apartment by San Francisco PD and the FBI. While being booked into jail, she listed her occupation as urban gorilla. (laughs) And she asked her attorney to relay the following message, quote, tell everyone that I'm smiling, that I feel free and strong, and I send my greetings and love to all the sisters and brothers out there, end quote. A crazy person. A little bit. So now we're going to talk about the trial. The trial began on January 15th, 1976. Patricia's lawyer originally was F. Lee Bailey. The prosecutor was James L. Browning Jr. And the judge was Oliver Jesse Carter. Patricia's first lawyer, Terrence Hanlon. I misspoke a second ago. His defense strategy was involuntary intoxication. He was claiming that the SLA had given her drugs that affected her judgment and recollection, which is why she was... Because this is the trial for the robbery, not all of the other charges that were added on to her. All
0: right.
1: Her first lawyer, Hanlon, did not want to go with the brainwashing defense since it had never been done before and technically it was not considered a legal defense.
0: Yeah, that's a risky move.
1: Patricia's yeah. second lawyer and the one who stayed with her throughout the trial, Bailey, decided to go with a coercion duress defense because that was as close as he could legally get to a brainwashing offense that would still be
0: appropriate. Uh, that one would seem more plausible on the surface than the involuntary intoxication.
1: Yeah. And there's and, no proof that she was given drugs, not even yeah. by her account that I've seen. So that's kind of dumb. Which the is probably fact why that she, she was- didn't go with him.
0: Yeah, but the fact that she was kidnapped and then was reacting. She's in a stressful situation. She is acting under duress. I could totally see that.
1: Uh After Patricia's arrest, she was seen by psychologist Margaret Stinger. Patricia had dropped 87 pounds and her IQ had dropped from 130 to 112. She also had huge gaps in her memory regarding her pre-Tanya life. And she was smoking heavily and having nightmares.
0: Okay, maybe there were some drugs involved. I don't know.
1: (laughs) Well, it doesn't say what she was smoking.
0: (laughs) Just that she smoked heavily.
1: (laughs) Yeah. During her trial, Judge Carter ruled that Patricia's taped and written statements after the bank robbery, while she was a fugitive with SLA members, were voluntary. He did not allow testimony that stylistic analysts, which indicated that Tanya or Tanya, whatever the fuck I said her name was, statements in writing were not composed by Patricia. So you're going to find out in just a minute. The judge was kind of a douche and didn't like Patricia and made it very well known. And he would allow evidence for the prosecution, but deny her evidence in her defense. Oh. And so that was one of them is she made statements after the robbery when she was fully immersed in the SLA lifestyle. And they allowed that to be her motive for the robbery, even though it happened way after the fact.
0: Oh, no, that doesn't seem right.
1: Judge Carter allowed the prosecution to introduce statements and actions Patricia had made long after the robbery as evidence of her state of mind at the time of the robbery. Judge Carter also allowed into evidence a recording made by jail authorities of a friend's visit with Patricia in which she used profanities and spoke of her radical and feminist beliefs. So again, nothing that has to do with the robbery, just the judge doesn't like that she's part of this. And is deciding to punish her for it. Personal vendetta against her. Mm -hmm. While the judge was allowing all of this evidence from the prosecution, he did not allow the tapes from psychiatrist Lewis West's interview of Patricia to be heard by the jury. West was a UCLA professor and a brainwashing expert. He had worked for free to help Patricia's defense and believed that she was a classic case of brainwashing. Judge Carter was described as resting his eyes during testimony that was favorable to the defense by West and other people. What a dick. So basically, he thought she was guilty and didn't give a shit that everyone saw that he didn't give a shit.
0: That's awful. That scares me about our legal system because... I It's not just the jury you have to be concerned about. It's all the other characters. And oh, God,
1: But if she had a better lawyer, he would have asked the judge to recuse himself or done more than he would have been
0: on it. Yeah. but Oh, God.
1: Patricia testified that the SLA had demanded she appear enthusiastic during the robbery and warned that she would pay with her life for any mistakes. Her defense attorney, Bailey, provided photographs showing that the SLA members, including Camilla Hall, had pointed guns at Patricia's head during the robbery. Patricia also testified that she had participated in the sporting goods store shooting and kidnapping because she had been instructed throughout her captivity on what to do in an emergency. Bless you. That was a big yawn. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. She said that one class in particular had a situation similar to the store manager's detention of the Harrises. Patricia testified that, quote, when it happened, I didn't even think. I just did it. And if I had not done it and they were able to get away, they would have killed me, end quote. So, during her conditioning and training during her months in the SLA, she was put through these scenarios. And she said that one of them was very similar. So, that's why she got the gun and started oh. shooting above the store because otherwise they would have killed her. That's what they taught her and trained her. Okay. Like I mentioned previously, Judge Carter had not allowed the testimony of brainwashing expert Lewis West, but he did, however, allow the prosecution's neurology expert Harry Kozel's testimony. Kozel said Patricia had been a rebel in search of a cause and that her participation in the robbery had been an act of free will. The prosecution also had psychiatrist Joel Fort testify. Prosecutor Browning Jr. had asked Fort if Patricia had been in fear of death or great bodily injury during the robbery, to which he answered no. Bailey objected and Fort continued by saying that Patricia was immoral, that she had voluntarily had sex with Wolf and DeFreeze, both of which, you know, Patricia has denied and stated she was raped. Right. Judge Carter allowed testimony from the prosecution psychiatrist about Patricia's earlier sexual experiences, although these had occurred years before her kidnapping or the bank robbery. Just to throw in that she's a sex fiend and immoral. They're- They're going to to fucking rape. her one way. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Defense attorney Bailey was criticized by his decision to put Patricia on the stand, but then have her plead the fifth on almost all of her questions. What is the point then? It really is done. Patricia also had made poor impressions on the jury, and they described her as being lethargic, many think due to the jail drugging her. Bailey defended his decisions and accused Judge Carter of going back on certain agreements. He claimed that Judge Carter had originally agreed that Patricia had Fifth Amendment privileges and that the jury would not be present during some of her testimony or that they would be instructed not to draw inferences, but Judge Carter later changed his mind. So he's saying, yeah, it looks bad now, but I had an agreement with the judge, which is why I put her on the stand and the judge went back on it. So she looks like a fucking asshole. Patricia had testified that Wolf raped her. Emily Harris, the wife of William Harris involved in the Sporting Woods shooting and kidnapping, gave a magazine interview from jail alleging that Patricia kept a trinket given to her by Wolf. And that was an indication that she had been in a romantic relationship with him. Patricia defended that she kept the stone carving because she thought it was a pre-Columbian artifact of archaeological significance. Prosecutor Browning Jr. used Patricia's interpretation of the item, and some jurors later said they regarded the carving, which during his testimony, Browning Jr. waved in front of them as powerful evidence that Patricia was lying. I hate all of these people involved. Right. Sometimes I really fucking hate courts. (laughs) In his closing argument, Prosecutor Browning Jr. suggested that Patricia had taken part in the bank robbery without coercion. He also suggested to the jury that since the female SLA members were feminists, they would not have allowed Patricia to be raped.
0: I am so sure. I am so sure.
1: On March 20th, 1976, Patricia was convicted of bank robbery and using a firearm during the commission of a felony. She was given the maximum sentence possible of 35 years Holy pending shit. a reduction at final sentencing hearing, which Carter declined to specify. Thankfully, Judge Carter died. Um, so Judge William Oreck Jr. determined Patricia's sentence. He gave her seven years imprisonment, commenting that, quote, rebellious young people who, for whatever reason, become revolutionaries and voluntarily commit criminal acts will be punished, end quote. So, like, he also doesn't like her, but at least he only gave her seven years instead of 35 years. I mean, that's more reasonable, but still bullshit. Yeah. Patricia was imprisoned at the Federal Correctional Institution in Dublin. She suffered from a collapsed lung in prison. The beginning of a series of medical problems, and she underwent emergency surgery. This prevented her from appearing to testify against the Harris's on 11 different charges, including robbery, kidnapping, and assault. And she was also arraigned for those charges. So not only could she not testify against them, she was also getting charged with those same crimes. Oh. But because she had surgery and couldn't testify on her behalf, it just kind of happened. <laughs>
0: This poor girl just does not stand a fucking chance.
1: I know. So during an appeal in November of 1976, she was granted bail on the condition that she was protected on bond. Her father then hired dozens of bodyguards, finally. Too little, too late, man.
0: Right? That $2 million could have gone to, like, fund those salaries for a while.
1: Yeah, something. Something. I mean, they did feed, like, homeless people, but, you know. uh,
0: I mean, they need to eat, too. He should be philanthropic on his own without the threat of one of his children being kidnapped.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, during her appeal, Superior Court Judge Talbot Callister gave her probation on the sporting goods store charge when she pleaded no contest, saying that he believed she had been subject to a coercion amounting to torture. Patricia's bail was then revoked in May of 1978 when all her appeals failed and the Supreme Court declined to hear her case. The prison took no special security measures for her safety until she found a dead rat in her bunk on the day when William and Emily Harris were arraigned for her abduction. The Harrises were convicted on the simple kidnapping charge as opposed to the more serious kidnapping for ransom or kidnapping with bodily injury. And they were released after serving a total of eight years each. So she's getting the shaft of this fucking ordeal. And these people that are like actual criminals are just getting the bare minimum. This is terrible. Actor John Wayne spoke after the Jonestown cult deaths stating that people had accepted that Jim Jones had brainwashed 900 individuals into mass suicide, but would not accept that the SLA could have brainwashed and kidnapped a teenage girl. Her
0: frontal cortex isn't even fully developed. Like, she's so susceptible.
1: She's only 19. So, psychiatrist West, who we talked about earlier, the brainwashing expert, he had wrote a newspaper article asking the President Carter to release Patricia from prison. President Jimmy Carter commuted Patricia's federal sentence to 22 months served, freeing her eight months before she was eligible for her first parole hearing. Her release on February 1st, 1979, was under stringent conditions, and she remained on probation for the state sentence on the sporting goods store plea. She recovered full civil rights when President Bill Clinton granted her a pardon on January 20th, 2001, his last day in office. Oh, wow. Wow. So her life after prison, two months after being fully released and pardoned, Patricia married Bernard Lee Shaw, a policeman who was part of her security detail during her time on bail. Oh, they had two children together and Patricia became involved in a foundation helping children with AIDS and was active on other charities and fundraising activities. She published a memoir, Every Secret Thing, co-written by Alvin Moscow in 1981. Her accounts resulted in authorities considering bringing new charges against her. She was interviewed in a 2009 NBC interview and said that the prosecutor had suggested that she had been in a consensual relationship with Wolf. She described that as outrageous and an insult to rape victims. This poor girl still can't get away from it. Oh my God. Since her release from prison, she has maintained a relatively low public profile. However, she has remained committed to sharing her experiences and raising awareness about the plight of violence victims. As part of her efforts, she has authored several books, including Every Secret Thing and Frontline. She has established the Patricia Hearst Foundation, an organization dedicated to providing financial aid and support to victims of violence and their families. She has appeared in feature films for director John Waters, who mm-hmm. cast her in *Crybaby*, Serial yep. Mom, Pecker, Cecil B. Demented, mm-hmm. and A Dirty Shame. She made a cameo in Polly Shore's film Biodome and had a small role in the 2004 film Second Best. She was producer on the film Pottersville and made an appearance in the 2000 documentary Pie in the Sky, The Berlin Story. She is currently 69 years old and resides in New York with her husband and two daughters. My God. So Stockholm Syndrome. While Patricia's life did not create this syndrome, it is one of the most known examples of it. Stockholm Syndrome is a psychological response wherein a captive begins to identify closely with his or her captors, as well as their agenda and demands. Stockholm Syndrome was not really known to the public until the hostage crisis in Iran from 1979 to 1981, which is A big reason why no one would believe her. The judge didn't want to take her, you know, feelings into account and what she'd been through because it really wasn't wildly known only by a certain amount of psychiatrists. Gotcha. Psychologists who studied the syndrome believe that the bond is initially created when the captor threatens the captive's life, deliberates, and then chooses not to kill the captive. The captive's relief at the removal of the death threat is transported into feelings of gratitude toward the captor for giving him or her life. It takes only a few days for this bond to cement, proving that early on the victim's desire to survive trumps the urge to hate the person who created the situation. The survival instinct is at the heart of Stockholm Syndrome. Victims live in enforced dependence and interpret rare or small acts of kindness in the midst of horrible conditions as good treatment. They often become hyper vigilant in the needs and demands of the captors, making psychological links between the captors' happiness and their own. Indeed this syndrome is marked not only by positive bond between captive and captor but also by the negative attitude on behalf of the captive toward authorities who threaten the captor relationship. The negative attitude is especially powerful when the hostage is of no use to the captors except as leverage against a third party as has often been the case with political hostages. By the 21st century, psychologists <laughs> had expanded their understanding of the Stockholm Syndrome from hostages to other groups, including victims of domestic violence, cult members, prisoners of war, procedure prostitutes, and abused children. The American Psychiatric Association does not include Stockholm Syndrome into the DSM. And that is it on Stockholm Syndrome slash the kidnapping of Patricia Hearst. Interesting. Interesting. I had just finished reading a
0: book when we had driven to Legoland. I I read it on the way down. And it was essentially a Stockholm kind of story where, yeah, it's like this guy had kidnapped this woman and ended up keeping her in a shed for like five years. But then she, over time, had begun to anticipate his visits his needs and then once Mm -hmm. there was the threat of him not viewing her as being special or needed anymore because his interests were going towards someone else like Mm -hmm. she was threatened by this potential other person and i'm like ma'am you have been
1: locked to a radiator for five years in a shed like i know it's so crazy how your mind will just so quickly change everything you've ever thought or been conditioned to think to make survival the most possible outcome.
0: Yeah, it's weird. I'd like to think that I am stronger mentally, but I don't know. I hope I don't have to find out. (laughs) Uh,
1: Speaking of stronger mentally, not really, what do you want to cover next week? I had thought about something earlier I had forgotten what the the other
0: topic I had wanted to do was and I I made the mistake of not making a note in my phone immediately and then the thought was gone forever because I can't remember anything so we're just gonna look at our list here and see if anything strikes my fancy oh yeah I did have gaydar and Canada marked down a couple of times I okay, think I that. Can remember that Okay, so I might do that one. Let's see if there's anything else. We already did reincarnation. You know what? We're gonna go with Gadar. Let's, let's go. That sounds interesting. <laughs> that sounds terrible for I humankind. Know. I know. Okay, cool. So let's we'll, do that. Um, I will be actually prepared. Oh yeah, you were terrible last week. That's right. That was god awful. Not that's the okay. worst, but
1: close no, to No, but not, not the best. But that's okay. This, oh God, I hate doing it over Zoom because like the energy just really isn't it's there. not the same. Hopefully it'll get, I mean, it's a little awkward. I have like 25 components going on right now. So I'm hoping it gets better. It will get better, guys. But I'm excited for when you visit because then we can yes. do a couple in person. So,
0: So we will have to plan and prepare for those in advance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because- I'll be there for a couple of days so we can mm-hmm. knock out a
1: few. Yeah. Well, at least there. two and and yeah, an hour sitting or whatever.
0: Uh yeah. The the energy is much different when we're it is. next to each other and can feed off of each other. Yeah. Versus me trying not to like stifle yawns
1: and okay. <laughs> I just edited the Bigfoot episode and I yawned like 12 times. I was just- I was <laughs> <am> so tired, <laughs> God do it. Oh, it's only well Tuesday. while she's yawning you guys to sleep if you want to reach us there's an instagram <laughs> <laughs> <Cracked Sisters laughs> Conspiracies. i forgot how to talk we post every week you can dm us give us episode suggestions and feedback but nice feedback we have an email cracked sisters <laughs> at oh, gmail.com you can send us an email we would love that We have an up and coming TikTok where we have three posts. (laughs) Um, I've checked that recently, but we're at least at like 800 views. I know that might not sound like a lot, but that's a lot to me. It is for us. We have an X and a Facebook that just exists, but we don't like that. We have a Patreon (laughs) where uh, I have been really good about keeping up to date with that. We're posting more. (laughs) She's shaking her head no. We're posting more of our old videos to get everyone up to speed on that. And then I'm also including videos that are pertinent to each episode that's released that day. So yeah. So if you want that, you can go to us, patreon.com forward slash cracked sisters conspiracies. Give us a dollar and see some cool shit. Yeah. And there should
0: be, like she said, more stuff because she is unemployed. So what else are you going to do with your free time? Right? I got nothing. To, I got nothing but time. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, stay cracked, y'all. And have a great day.